Get ready for Solomon's. Hey, giving the glory to God. Yeah, you're hanging with Jason and Sean. Get ready for Solomon's. Oh, keeping it real, keeping it relevant. Hey, come hang with the squad. Hey, let's talk about it, talk about it. CHA should a movie scene. Got a lot of questions, throw them in the air. From the east to the west and everywhere in between. Uh, let's get it, let's get it, we going in. You ain't heard about Solomon's, where you been? Sit back and relax with a cup of joe. Here we go, I'll let the show begin. Yo, what's up, everybody? What's yeah. up, everybody? Welcome back to Solomon's Porch Podcast with your host, Jason. And Sean. And I haven't said podcast in a really long time. I just realized that. Uh, wow, it was really weird saying that. But we are joined today with a special guest. He is a, a friend of mine, a brother of mine from Track Stars. He's a spoken word artist. He is a writer. He has all sorts of things that he does creatively. He was even on my EP. And, you know, I tell people he is the interlude for one of the most important tracks on that album, in my opinion. We have with us Kenny Fresh. How you doing, man? Hey, what's good? What's good, man? I'm happy to be here, man. Man, it's great it's to good have, to have you. you, brother. Yeah, good to have you on, Thank man. You. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you being a part of the show. And we're going to talk a little bit about spoken word, what that is, uh, kind of how that might be different from what a lot of people know as rap and kind of break that down a little bit uh, toward the end of the music section. Before we jump into this interview, or before this jump into this show, Lord, I'm, I can't speak right today. My bad, y'all. Um, we do want to thank True Strength Apparel for being a sponsor for the show. Make sure y'all check out truestrengthapparel.com. Aaron Simpkins over there, a great friend of the show, and uh, he's been supporting us for a very long time now, a very long time. So uh, we appreciate him over there. So we do have a little bit of... Um, a little bit of sad news. I think a lot of people talked about it this week. Uh, we do want to talk about that. And actually, this, I don't know, maybe we should go ahead and start off the show with that. Um, so DMX, DMX, uh, he did tragically pass away at the age of 50. And he was an outspoken Christian with outspoken struggles. And I think a lot of people have their battles, they have their issues that they deal with. And, uh, and DMX, through all of that, he still recognized the glory of God. Uh, he still shared his love for God with everybody on every platform, no matter what kind of situation he was in. And, um, you know, I always say, Lord, give me a sign is in my top CHH song list of all time. Uh, it was the first Christian hip-hop song I ever heard, ever, before I ever heard Lecrae, uh, Gospel Gangsters, KJ52. DMX was actually the first one that exposed me to the idea that you could be Christian in a hip-hop song, uh, which was amazing to me. Uh, either one of you gentlemen have any uh, thoughts or, or remarks in regards to his passing? Sean, did you listen to much of DMX? Uh, well, yeah, but really just, you know, more of his, uh, popular hits, you know, X going to give it to you. Um, you know, I, I just <clears throat> party up it. I, I, at the time when I was listening to any, uh, D it was, you know, uh, I, I wasn't really walking with Christ at the time. So, gotcha. uh, and then when I, then when I was, I was listening to more, uh, Christian metal and hard rock. So I stopped listening to hip hop pretty much altogether at that point. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. How about you, Kenny? 
Uh, I have not really listened to too much uh, DMX, but uh, of course I've heard the classic. I've heard, you know, I've heard Hit Him Up. Um, and I'm just kind of, I'm more familiar with him from the acting. Like he was in Romeo Must Die. And I, right. I remember you know, how much he Cradle loved Aaliyah. Right. And so th- that, those are the two things I really knew about him. I really enjoyed him in uh, in uh, Romeo Must Die. He uh, yeah. he was dope. And his voice. And then even I'm always thought, thought about Cat Williams' stand-up. He's like, man, he really talks like that. <laughs> so that, those are the things that I, I knew about X. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, he will be greatly missed. I mean, he was a part of so many people's lives. He, was, he influenced so many uh, Christian hip-hop artists, regular artists. And I think he really just, you know, he, he kind of gave that that introduction to being your true self in, in all of in all of its components. You know, he, he was, you know, he, he raised up. Uh, he was a drug dealer, a gangster. And as an adult, he kind of saw the Lord as his saving grace and had his battles. And, uh, and so I think we can look at his life and see... How, you know, I, I think almost anybody knows someone who has the same type of a struggle. I know lots of Christians who do battle drug addiction. So, um, and it makes me pray for them. Uh, even more so now thinking about X and what he's uh, just went through. So, anyway, DMX, um, pray you were in heaven with your grandma. I was listening to I Miss You Today. And he said, you know, I pray I go to heaven to see you again. Amen. And, man, that line just, like, Slap me in the face. I was like, man, that just, I heard that at the, oh no, it was very weird when I heard it, but it was like, you know, I pray he can be reunited in whatever capacity that looks like. So anyway, going on to some, uh, to some news that came across these past two weeks. Sean, you want to start us off? Um, no, because that's all stuff that you put oh, up there. Okay. That's right. <laughs> Normally you do all the news stuff, man. So, uh, so we got this weird Neuralink situation that's going on in uh, kind of mainstream news. And so now the, uh, the, the co-founder of Neuralink, Max, uh, Hodak, Hodak, he said we could probably build Jurassic Park if we wanted to. Would it be genetically authentic dinosaurs, but maybe 15 years of breeding and engineering to get super exotic novel species? I'm thinking, why? Why on God's green earth would you do something like this? Have you not seen any of the artificial intelligence movies? Terminator, Jurassic Park, the newest Jurassic Park. Why would you try to create dinosaurs with AI technology? I don't get it. Do any of you guys think this is a good idea? It's a terrible idea. It's right up there. It's right up there with those ones where they're like, um, "Oh, we found these old, uh, old pharaoh, you know, tombs." Like people are like, "Leave that alone." You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> we don't need them problems. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I'm just like, man, please, just, just. I mean, I get the advancement in technology. I get you want to be first on the market with these cool things. But even back when I saw those those robots that were jumping around, and the person would go kick it. And it, it stood up, and then, like, later on, they showed it with a gun, like, shooting targets, like, dead on. And I'm like, why? Like, please, just watch, watch some sci-fi and pretend that it's real. Just see the possibilities. I, I think for me, the question comes down to more of, how does this really, truly help society when we have 
uh, starvation, poverty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. Pandemics, you know, junk like that. That's probably a little more important. Yeah. There you go. There you go. I think that's a good idea. That's a great idea. So anyway, that's that. Um, so, you know, this year, 2021, Warner Brothers, HBO Max are releasing all their major films and everything in theaters along with HBO Max. And apparently it's been reported that uh, their biggest films of 2022 will not be on HBO Max and in theaters at the same time uh, like they did this year. And so, you know, you feel like they probably might be losing some money because I'm sure people are having like house parties where you're having, you know, Godzilla versus Kong you know, you got multiple people around watching it, things like that. And so, you know, I kind of understand it, although it is really cool to be able to wake up and watch Godzilla vs. Kong when it first released that day. Justice League, you know, people waiting till 3 a.m. to click that play button on HBO Max to watch, you know, into half of the next day, uh, you know, giving breaks and all that stuff. But you know what? For me, they're actually making more money from uh, from me right now than they will next year because, like Godzilla uh, versus Kong, although I would still have gone to the theater to see it, I would have waited till the five dollar Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. And so they wouldn't have made much money off of me by the time that they paid the theater and you know everything else. So um, they actually get more money from me by uh, streaming it. Yeah. Kenny, what do you think, man? Right. Do you miss the theater or are you okay with, with chilling at home? Bro, I, I, I so miss the theater. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, uh, I got a smart TV. We never really used Fandango until last year, bro. I missed <laughs> the theater because it was such a treat. Like, my wife says I'm spoiled because when we go to the theaters, it's not just a movie ticket. I got to get a popcorn. I got to get them large, like, Coke freezies. I'd be trying to finesse with the, the cash room. Hey, can you blend both of them? Like, it's a whole thing, bro. Like, I miss that. I, I really miss the theater. I don't have – I haven't done the HBO Max thing yet. Uh, we just – like, according to my wife, she's like, nothing new has come out to the theaters. We're like, mm, it has. We just – you know what I'm saying? We're not going to the theater and we're, yeah. you know, we're not planning on getting HBO Max. But I think, was it someone – I forget who it is. Somebody is going to be releasing – a lot of their movies going to Netflix instead of trying to start their own streaming platform. I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, I can't remember, but I just saw that in the news this week. So, okay, okay. It might be Sony. It might be Sony. That would be interesting. Like, they're going to put their 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 back catalog on uh, Netflix or something like that. So there's yeah, no they, Sony Plus. Thank right. the Lord. <laughs> I know, man. Right? Like, you know, I was looking at Paramount Plus – and all of the things for my kids, like they got all of the, the, the dope kids stuff. They got Rugrats, my kids stuff, yeah. the stuff that yeah. I watched growing up. I was like, okay, I'm going to get this for my kids, you know, on paper. They're for my kids, but in my heart, it's really for me. And, oh, for uh, sure. I, I just, I just put my daughter onto the uh, first episode of all that. Oh yeah. Uh, Cause they like, had that. And then uh, she, we're like three episodes into as told by ginger. And like she's not feeling none of them, but uh, <laughs> it's cool. But like like you said, most of the stuff is for the kids. I haven't even looked at the adult. Oh, and I'm in the middle of watching uh, the 2003 Teenage Mutant Turtles cartoon. I'm like, whoop. Uh, okay, this is for me. I'm doing the free trial though. I'm doing the free trial, so they're not going to charge me after a month. Right, so right. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta run through the turtles real quick one good time. Well, now the free trial is for a week. They've cut it back. 
because I looked it up the other day and uh, uh-huh. yeah, they, they got it down to a week now. So uh, I guess they're trying to get people to not do that month long free and then cut it out. But uh, yeah, but you know, speaking of, of uh, the, theatrical releases, apparently uh, Godzilla versus Kong set a new world record for pandemic era film going. They made more than three hundred eighty-five million globally, Oof. and so that's that's not too bad for theatrical budgets for this because almost everybody I know saw it at home. Right. I don't know anybody personally who went to the theater to see it. Now I would have. But for me, it's like if I can watch it at home, I'm going to watch it at home. I mean, I might go see uh, Mortal Kombat in theater. You know, I feel like that's going to be a good theater type of experience. And I've heard that the theaters are pretty much dead anyway. So if I can go into a dead theater and not have to worry about people making stupid sounds and all that stuff that I don't miss and enjoy me a nice large popcorn with a large soda. And, you know, I think the most most fun part about being in a theater and y'all can disagree with me if you want to. The best part about going to a theater is seeing if you can hold your bladder through the whole film. That's the, oh, most, I don't know yeah. that's the best part. part. That's not yeah. the best part to me. Oh, sorry. A challenge, though. sorry. The best part is releasing what you've been holding on to this whole time. <laughs> that part. That is the best part. <laughs> That's like one of the best feelings ever, man. It's like that long car ride and you're in traffic and you got the, you know, the exits like 55 miles away and you're just like, man, come on. This is going to be so bad if I don't get there. Anyway, let's, let's move on a little bit. Um, so I did get, (laughs) (laughs) so there was some other news. Um, so there was an unopened copy and and by the way, shout out to crispy. Uh, he handles uh, some of our Facebook posts. This is some stuff that he shares periodically and I just ripped them from him, uh, because it's good for this platform. So there was an unopened copy of Nintendo super Mario brothers that was bought in 1986 that was then sold at an auction for six hundred and sixty thousand dollars, but but it, it was a copy that was still brand new in the wrapper, had been left in a desk drawer somewhere, forgotten about. So yeah. finding one that's in original packaging, you, you just don't. Yeah, that's kind of like that right. uh, that that first action comics that sold for three point two million dollars. Like, mm. I get. The nostalgia, I get it. I just don't know if I'd ever have. The, it was hard for me to buy a ten dollar, uh, flash like mega comic from you know thirty years ago. One day I was like, ten dollars is a lot of money. Like people ask me, you know, do you got any like expensive comics? I'm like, yeah, I, I got this ten dollar flash issue, and they're like, uh, no, no bro, that's ten dollars is nothing. I that's pay nothing. I pay about eighteen for the uh the uh. Uh, teen, teen, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the last Ronin, right? You know, that's like uh, after, you know, adding on the stuff, it's it's like $18, $19, $20, bro. And yeah, but $10 is not, I paid like, I think the most I paid is $20. And I, I did feel a little sting, <laughs> but I'm cool with like buying a bunch of issues and getting like, I, I remember one time, right when I was getting ready to get married, I heard about this like big flea market type deal in Louisville. We went there and it was supposed to be for her. Like there was wedding dresses and stuff. But I ended up running to the comic section, bro, and I spent like seventy dollars. And I'm like, "Yo, 
I, I didn't even feel bad. My wife's like, this was supposed to be for me. I'm like, look, yo, <laughs> I ran into an old school collector and he was pointing out issues from the 70s that he remembered buying off the rack. I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, there's a, a gentleman I know. He's actually a police sergeant at our uh, local hospital here that I work with. And he, I think he traded uh, uh, amazing. He, he collects amazing Spider-Man comics. And I think the Punisher, maybe I think the Punisher and amazing Spider-Man. But it was one of those like twenty one hundred dollars that he traded uh, for another issue that was similar in price. And I'm thinking, you know, at one point I was thinking to myself, comics really can be an investment. And then later I saw someone say people should treat comic books like an investment because it kind of is. It really kind of is. The very first time I started buying physical comics is when Dark Knight's Metal came out. Our local shop was still open at that time. And I decided I was going to start buying comics. And I started with that. And I bought every issue, every tie-in, all of the whole 23-issue collection. And now it's worth several hundred dollars. And it cost me a, maybe about 100 for all of them. And uh, so it was already tripled in price. Uh, I'm probably not going to let them go anytime soon. Yeah. And, you know, it's got the special covers and all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, comics can be an investment, similar to Bitcoin. So you just don't know if you're going to get your money back. <laughs> Just don't know if you're going to get your money back. That's a good point. That's a great point. I've never thought of it. Because it is art. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. People, I know people, a lot of people might be tired of comic books. But, bro, like, Marvel's been building a universe for, like, 70 years. DC, even longer than that. And, you know, the books are here. And they're they're worth that. And it gets expensive, though. Like, I was collecting. Like, I was doing the Amazing Spider-Man thing. And I had, like... Anything with Spider-Man, like my, my shop automatically signed me up. So I had like seven different Spider-Man titles back in like the mid-2010s, uh, early 2010s. So one time my Christmas gift was like, hey, just buy all my comics that I got in the shop. He told them for me. And my sister did it. Yo. It was like 70, 80 bucks. And I'm like, yo. Nice. Actually, it might have been my wife. I can't remember if it was my wife. I forget who bought it. But somebody went and bought all my comic books because I just didn't have the money. And eventually, like, I don't collect anymore. I like I, this doing the whole Ronin, last Ronin thing, I'm like, I'm going to do this, um, but I'm slowly getting back here because I actually sold my collection in like the first, it was like 2016, 2017, and I was proud though because I had comics that I've been carrying since like the late 90s, and it was, I sold it at half price books, and it was so much like the manager had to come and look over and verify. I was like, "Ooh, that's me." You know what I'm saying? Mm. I was proud of it. It was like it was like three hundred dollars worth of comics. So I was I was proud. Yeah, man. I actually had a really good friend of mine. He actually did the same similar thing. He he picked up all my comics. I think I don't know if it was a birthday gift or what, but I was very appreciative of that. Very appreciative of that. So um. So yeah, so so one more thing. Speaking of DC, so Subway is actually endorsing the restore the Snyderverse uh, protest, or uh, I'm not sure what they call it, but you know, movement, every, movement, movement. It's a, it's a movement, is what it is. So um, so yeah, Subway's backing it. I'm down with that. Uh, it, it actually made me almost want to go buy some subs today, but I'm not that much of a sucker. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> So, Sean, does Kingstone apps still have $1 comics, man? They do. They do. So uh, they are a joint partner with us. Uh, we don't make any money if you do the uh, digital comics, but uh, the app is still out there. Um, it makes it real easy to uh, be able to pick up some of the books, try them out. Um, I, you know, to me, the way that I see it is that 
this is more of the gateway, if you will. So you can check out their books. You can see the quality of their illustrations, see how they do the interpretations, and then you can buy the physical copies. You know, these these can be investments. Um, you know, will it be worth something? Historically, religious comics are never worth anything. But, um, you know, it's the sort of thing that, you know, you pass on down to your kids and they pass on to their kids and so on and so forth but uh yeah anyway give them a a, a look-see and uh check it out yeah man so let's go into some music news so music news hey look sean's finally talking he's, <laughs> he's got something to say now yeah i i look man the news was really slim pickings for me this uh this time around so uh, normally I've got a bunch of stuff and, uh, this time I just had like zelch, uh, except for some music stuff. So I was really excited about this fit for King, uh, as, as you know, has done a similar thing in the past. They've teamed up with silent planet to do sort of swapping covers kind of thing. So, um, they're actually, uh, naming this joint venture silent King, so a play on both of their band names. Uh, they have released two singles. Uh, one with uh, Ryan Kirby from Fit for King uh, and Garrett Russell from Silent Planet sort of swapping duties on songs. So hmm. Kirby is taking the lead on Trilogy while Russell takes the lead on Stockholm. Really cool tracks. Uh, again, if you're, if you're a fan, you definitely want to check these out. They are only digital, um, which is fine. Uh, although I wouldn't mind if they, you know, dropped a little 45 kind of thing on vinyl. That would be totally cool. Uh, I'd be down with it. Uh, but they do have some merchandise available, some really cool shirts. Uh, nothing in fatty sizes, so I'm out of luck. Uh, but check that out. Also, there's a follow-up EP to Zombies. It's just titled Z. Two or II Roman numeral II. Um, it's dropping on May fifteenth with a live stream concert, so you can actually buy the uh, live stream ticket and be able to watch them perform the EP live at the same time that it drops digitally. Uh, I think physical copies are mailed out shortly thereafter. They have already sold out of all of their vinyl, so they had like three different vinyl options, totally gone, already sold out. I checked on it within like four hours after I, I checked my emails and I saw that it had dropped. I was like, oh, cool. Let me go ahead and, you know, check out their vinyl selection. And it was already gone. So uh, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe you can find somebody that's got some uh, on eBay or something. Or, you know, I'm hoping that they're going to uh, re-release it again. And, you know, maybe it'll just be black vinyl instead of really cool looking stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, man. So let's go on to some uh, CHH news. We have Hovey just dropped an album this week. Reach Records' newest artist, Hovey. Uh, lots of folks have been talking about it. And I listened to it. I checked it out. For me, it just it, it it's a good blend of sounds. I think he does a great job at that. Uh, he's got a song that's more radio ready with Lecrae on it. You know, that's going to be hitting, the, you know, the Air One radios and, and all that stuff. And then I, I really love the latter part of this album. Uh, it's very, I love the, the corny Christian music, you know, what people consider corny. 
I'm all for it. Like the song mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, Eternal, like those things to me just hit hit perfect. Nothing without Jesus washed in the blood. We Against the World was a more fun, you know. Kenny, how, how do you explain that song, man? I I, I don't know a good. Uh, it's 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 fun. You can tell it, it was just fun. kind of. A, it's got a real pop. Uh, yeah. You know what? Yeah. I think that one's gonna that one's gonna hit for the youth groups. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, because yeah. you, so, you got Holy and Andy. It's, it's going to go. Yeah, man, absolutely. So that's a great album. And uh, we also have Bumps Inf from God Over mm-hmm. Money. Uh, you know, we don't get a whole lot of music from him, but he has got a new album dropping called The Chaos is Beautiful that is uh, expected to release on April 30th. So I'm looking forward to that one, man. Bumps is one of those artists, you know, he doesn't drop a lot, so when he does drop, I have to make sure I check it out. It's kind of like Trip Lee these days. Like if he does anything, I think. Oh no, right. Oh no, Trip might be retired by now. I know he's pastor. And he's so. not. He's not retired. He's but, working uh, on new music now. He needs to be. He needs to be. A lot of us uh, diehard uh, old school Reach fans still want some Trip music. But uh, but yeah, man, Bumps Inf is he's got this coming out. He's released. There's actually four songs from the album available now that you can already check out. So you can uh, look at that. And then Mitch Durrell. Good friend of the show. He's got his, uh, technically, technically, this project, Rap Should Be Fur or Fun, Volume 1, has already released on Bandcamp. So you can purchase it there. I think the artist gets paid more and quick, more quickly from Bandcamp. And so you can go check that out now, but it's supposed to be releasing everywhere else on April 16th. And then, and actually, if you are subscribed to the 520 Collective's email address or email newsletter, he has actually, they sent out a link to where you can actually listen to it, uh, the private link on SoundCloud. So that was pretty cool, too. Um, So, yeah, Mitch Durrell, uh, like I said, a good friend of the show. So uh, we appreciate all that he does. And I tell you, man, his, I feel like every project just keeps getting progressively better and better quality-wise. And it's like, I don't know who's doing his engineering, but it seems like every project is a step up from the last. So, uh, so he's doing awesome things, man. And so, um, and Kenny fresh. Um, so Kenny, he is a good friend of mine. Like I said, he was on the EP. He did the interlude for turbulence and, uh, he did a great job on that. Uh, just wanted you to talk about what this month is. Uh, spoken word being celebrated. First of all, man, what is spoken word? How do you, uh, define that. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, the the definition of spoken word really varies depending on who you ask. So April April is National Poetry Month, so poets all across the world are are celebrating, and they're usually there's this thing called uh, it's like hashtag like N A P O M O, and it's like they do like thirty. The goal is to write a poem a day for thirty days. Um, uh, and I'm like, I'm not doing that this year. So I'm not doing that. But for me, um, the definition of spoken word is poetry is the written word. And um, poetry is the written word. And spoken word is the performance, the vocal performance of it. So so it's like Jesus. Kinda, <laughs> something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is poetry in the Bible. So I guess if you were to like perform a piece of Proverbs or Psalms or, or Song of Solomon or something like that, you could that could be considered spoken word. But that's that's it, you know. Because some people are just page poets; they just write. Like I, I'm, I, I'm friends with somebody on LinkedIn who she's been writing for herself for like 25 years, but she's never shared it with anyone. 
So that, you know, she's just kind of like the, the typical page. But there's a lot of people who are performance. And, like, it's a big thing. Like, uh, I'm friends with somebody on Facebook who just, uh, she finished fourth in the um, it's Woman of the World Poetry Slam. So she's, like, the number fourth woman poet in the world. She's out of Baltimore. Um, and they've got all kinds of world slams, which really focus on that performance aspect of uh, with the poetry, as long as, as well as the writing. So, yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Is... Spoken word, now I've heard this, and I can't remember where I heard it from, but if it's put to music, does it transition from spoken word to rap? Uh, Not really, because uh, the way I was taught was like every rap is a poem, but not every poem is a rap, um, because poetry predates hip-hop by several centuries. Mm. So that the, the couplets and the rhyming, that's, you know, that's poem, that's poetic devices. So um, just because, um, and there are spoken word artists who do, they do make albums because spoken word is also a, some people don't know this, it is a genre. You can win a Grammy for spoken word. And a lot of times the people who win the Grammys, they're actually authors who like for um, as some sort of celebrity does some sort of uh, audio book of their, their memoir of their life that goes into the spoken word uh, Grammy category. So most times poets don't win but it really it was made for poets. And so, you know, some people do it acapella, which could get boring, I guess, if you wanted something else. And then some people do it to music. Like there's, and some people mix and match. It might be poem with music in the background to kind of keep the listener's attention. Some of it just might be acapella. But yeah, just because you put it to music doesn't make it um, rap, not, not by definition. Gotcha, gotcha. So Propaganda from Humble Beast. Yep. He's a spoken mm-hmm. word artist and a rapper. Yep, yep. And he started he started rapping first. And, you know, I like watching, I love watching his uh, episode on This Is uh, this is Me TV on YouTube. And he kind of talks about that. He started, you know, battle rapping in, in, in L.A. on the West Coast. And he met this girl. She took him to, like, a, a poetry reading. And he, like, fell in love with the writing. And he was the first guy that I realized you could do both. Like, you could rap and you could do spoken word. Um, and he just kind of finds a way. These last two projects he put out of him mostly focusing on the rapping part, which is fine because that's a part of him. But yeah, he, he definitely blends them. And then also people like uh, Jackie Hill Perry, who started as a spoken word poet, but she transitioned into rap uh, because I, I think she's a lot of the poet people also rap on the side and she wanted to see if she could do it too. She had a competitive streak. And then it's crazy. Like she just started rapping and got signed to Humble Beast. I'm like, oh, okay. Is that easy? Kenny, <laughs> <laughs> you trying to find your way into that position? No, you know, people ask me if I rap, and I, I, I freestyle every now and then. I, I, I tell them I flirt with the rapping, but I'm not trying to be a rapper. I feel like there's already uh, too many rappers, uh, or enough rappers, whatever you want to say. I'm not trying to be another one, so I just want to stick to the poetry side of things. But I'm definitely not opposed to being featured on tracks. Like, your, being on your EP is like the second project that I've been featured on. So. Yeah, so, so talk about the piece you did for my project a little bit. What was your... Um, kind of thoughts going into that man you was talking about marriage bro and you know it's funny fun fact because I, I date all my poems like when I start when I finish and <clears throat> it looks like I started yours on like June 24th at like 11 at night and I finished that mug June 25th at like 2.20 p.m. and like my poems don't ever come that fast but um, I just think just thinking about the topic of a Christian marriage and how turbulence and you kind of gave me like you, you gave me turbulence. I'm like, okay, airplane. So I, I did a lot of 
airplane um, analogies and uh, like the first line is the air is rougher than we thought it'd be. You know, that's kind of the alluding to the, the turbulence. We've been up so high we forgot to breathe because when you get high altitude, you, it, it's harder to breathe. What happens when we fly beside the flight plan, uh, manual by manual, built a plan, we plan to fail. Uh, I, I like that wordplay with manual and emmanual. I like that. Um, fail to plan, we plan to fail, a popular saying. So we don't have a plan for your marriage. You're gonna you're gonna fail by uh, default. Them jet streams cause our uh, pockets to dip. So jet stream, kind of you know another air uh, metaphor, cause our pockets to dip because a lot of times we know one of the top three problems with marriages is money. Um, we were on course when we started the shift. Once again, back to that flight plan, we kind of got off course from what we were doing. Uh, it's clear to say we veered away. Can't dress it up. Ain't no barrel wing. So. I like uh, Ryman when I heard when I felt that sometimes I get a, a line of oh that's gonna I like that so the Vera Wang uh, you can't dress it up because Vera Wang is a famous uh, wedding dress designer and so right. you know clear to say we veered away can't dress it up no Vera Wang we need God's help to steer this thing ain't been flying right and when I wrote right I put like W R I G H T so like the Wright brothers we ain't been flying right got to make it plain if we don't want to crash and burn then baby we have to learn. If God ordained our takeoff, he'll plan our landing. Others fall out the sky, we still stand in. Being crashing today, it's just the turbulence. So uh, it was a, a pretty quick write, and I was very pleased. You know, sometimes I'm a little suspicious if the lines come too quick. But, like, you you, you gave me, you know, because sometimes, you know how it is, when you write something, usually the first thing you write is trash, and you kind of go back. But I was like, you know, I really feel this. And then also, it, uh, being a feature is about serving the artist's vision. So, like, there's been times where I'm like, I think I sent it to him, like, I can make changes if you want. You're like, no, this is perfect. I'm like, okay, well, there you go. Uh, less than 24 hours, uh, it's knocked out. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, that's, sometimes that's how it happens. I've done I've done something for a business. I wrote, like, on my lunch break, 30 minutes. I'm like, okay, this is just the first draft I can read. She's like, no, this is great. I'm like, okay, all right, well, there you go. I, I don't try to be a one-take, Jake, because I feel like that's easy to get comfortable, and then your stuff starts to not hit as hard. But um, it, you liked it. And then I think what really helped, what really uh, made me excited, you said somebody said that it was like the best part of the project. I'm like, bro, that's what's up. I appreciate the love. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's, it, it was great, man. I really enjoyed it. And it was great to have you on. And um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's always, and it was good to have something different in there. I wanted, I didn't want the, the it was only six tracks. So I didn't want it to all sound and be the same. So having that that different element to it, uh, it really meant something to me. It kind of slowed down right there in the middle. It was after a really upbeat track, and you could you know it was like a good flow into something more serious. So, um, and you did a great job, man. And then you know you sent me a, a a track you did for somebody else, and we actually played this on the show once you told me about that, and uh, and that was great. And then shout yeah. out to shout out to my engineer who put the the keys in underneath uh, your 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 performance there because I thought man that's that sounds great so if y'all haven't heard it yet uh, I didn't do that just to sell plug my EP however if you haven't checked out the EP you can gladly do so Jason Bordeaux just look that up and it's a whole EP and uh, yeah. that track specifically is the third track on it so it's a uh, turbulence interlude Kenny Fresh. So, uh, yeah, man. Well, Kenny, appreciate you joining us for this show. And we got a couple more segments that you're going to be a part of. Looking forward. And you actually recommended the round five for this week. 
So, um, yeah, yeah, man. So we're going to jump into that real quick. Uh, we'll be back in a few. Stay tuned. In the name of Jesus, let us pray. Father, please walk with us through the bad times as well as the good. May we be heard and understood from the suburbs to the hood. May you judge us by our hearts and not by our mistakes. And see that we get a breakthrough, however long that it takes. May you fill that void in our souls that will lay our fears to rest. Because there's no way we can live for Jesus when we're living in the flesh. So I pray that you allow our spirits to be born, grow strong, move on, know right from wrong. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. And we know what that means. But listen, we know the distance we need to be away from fire to keep it missing. That doesn't mean we'll listen. Lord, you take care of fools and babies. You teach women to honor their men and men respect their ladies. But lately, so many of us have gone astray, doing wrong for so long that we've forgotten the way. Please bring us back home, instill in us the word which is our backbone, which is children that act grown. There was so much that we were entitled to, yet we received so little. Because in this time of spiritual warfare, we're comfortable in the middle. So I pray that you open our eyes, give us the anointing to recognize the devil and his lies. If we keep our actions wise and our prayers sincere, our heads to the sky, you will diminish our fears. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed, amen and amen. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Solomon's Porch with your host, Jason. And Sean. And we are joined in this round five segment. Actually, uh, it was suggested by our good friend here, Kitty Freshman. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm great. I'm, I'm happy to be here, man. I'm excited about this. Awesome, man. Awesome. It's good to have you on board. Uh, definitely appreciate you being a part of the show this week. And so, you know, Sean and I have done many, many round fives at this point. And uh, so I hit Kenny up and I was like, hey, man, you got any good ideas for a round five? And so he came up with, uh, let me see if I say this right, anthropomorphic characters. Did I say that right? No. No. <laughs> How do you say it? Anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic. Okay, that's yeah. a big word. I mean, get smoother. I, I over-accentuated okay. to make the point. Anthropomorphic. All right, Kenny, real quick, give us an idea of why you thought this would be a good round five. And, you know, we'll just pretend we don't see your shirt. <laughs> that's pretty much the big thing, man. I've just been in a, a TMNT mood, bro. And, like, I think it could generate some good conversation because, like, you know, there are people, I'm, I'm sure people were already doing uh, anthropomorphic characters before, but TMNT really set the wave. And when you get from that in, like, 87, or I think it was 86, 87, when the show hit, to, like, the, the mid-90s when, like, everybody was trying to drop a character and make it pop. Um, yeah. You know, of course, you know, there's, there's Mickey Mouse and all that, but I think with... The 80s and 90s, you saw a lot of you saw you saw people like Thundercats, um, you saw like just so much. So I just thought it'd be cool just to talk about and, and maybe even shed light on some not so popular anthropomorphic characters. Yeah, I think lots of people are probably know mine for the most part, but Kenny, we'll, sure. we'll let you start off, man. What's your number five? My number five is uh, SWAT Cats. Um, for those who don't know, it was. I'll, first of all, I don't know what somebody was smoking when they made this, these characters, but it was a show that was on uh, Cartoon Network back in the 90s, and it ran for like 26 episodes, and it was like this city. It was called, uh, shoot, 
it was it was about cats. Like uh, instead of people, it was cats. And so the SWAT cats, the main characters, they were like jet pilots. So it's like two jet fighter pilot cats, and they're saving the city with their their fighter jet. And I loved it, bro. As a, as a as a young kid, like it was action packed. It was like I think it was Hanna Barbera's only really action based cartoon. And of course, they shut it off quickly after that. After the episode, this got a piece called You look it up, man. It's just SWAT and then Cats with a K. SWAT Cats the Radical uh, Squadron. And yeah, that's that's my, my number five pick. <laughs> See, I'm not going to know any of these for the most part. <laughs> probably uh sean you're number five sir um you know so i most of mine are not going to be quite as as obvious as i would say um a, a couple of them but um you know being that it, it it's a topic of anthropomorphism meaning just that it, it's human characteristics applied to we normally associate it with animal or creatures, but it could be almost anything. So th- this first one does fit this category, but most of my others are not. Um, Poe from uh, Kung Fu Panda. It's um, a good one. You know, I'm I'm one. I, I think the thing is for me, um, Jack Black. Um, I like Jack Black, um, and. Absolutely- that I, I kind of relate to, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I, maybe the white and I have black hair. I, I don't know. Something about Poe I relate to. So. <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, I've never actually seen Kung Fu Panda. So uh, I'm kind of slacking there. Wow. Yeah. I'm get slacking. your life, bro. You need to get that together. I'm slacking. Uh, my number five is Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Um, Spider who? Or Spider-Ham. Spider-Ham. Oh, okay. Spider-Ham. Like, uh, it's got an animal in the name, bro, but that's not quite. But okay, Spider-Ham. I get Spider you. Spider-Ham. Uh, Peter Porker. Yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah. he was uh, most recently portrayed in Into the Spider-Verse. And just a really good, fun character. Uh, you know, even in uh, the, the Simpsons movie, they had uh, the pig. They were walking. They were calling him Spider-Pig, Spider-Pig. He can do whatever, a spider, you know, whatever. Uh, just a, a real fun rendition of um, Spider-Man in the form of a pig. They even had the extra snippet in the um, in the film. It was like a side little, what was it, like a mini-movie type of a thing? I can't even remember how long it was. But it was essentially you got more of Spider-Ham. And so, you know, we want to see, you know, your favorite uh, breakfast meat, you know, fight crime. You know, that's the one character you want to see him as is a spider. And it's funny thinking about a, you know, a pig doing spider-like things. So, yeah, man, that was my number five. Uh, I'm sure nobody else ever thought about that. Um, probably nobody else's list. But, yeah, man, let's keep moving along. Kenny, you're number four, sir. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. I feel like, you know, you got to He's And my favorite version of Sonic would have to be the, the sat AM version that was voiced by Jaleel White, uh, the, the the darker one with the Freedom Fighters, and uh, it was just really good. Like I was like in my mid to late twenties when I found out that Jaleel White. I'm like, what? Urkel was the voice of Sonic. This is crazy. So yeah, it's my favorite favorite version of Sonic. Yeah, I almost went with Sonic, but I don't know much more Sonic other than the uh, the video game. So, uh, Sean, you're number four, sir. 
Number four. This is where I steer uh, away from the the animal category. Larry the cucumber. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm not mad at that, bro. I'm not mad at that. I, I, I mean, the the hairbrush song, man. I mean, it's just epic. I mean, what you know, mic drop. That's it. It's done. No, uh, you, you know, I I think that I had to watch enough of it. One, uh, working in youth groups. Uh, two, my daughter grew up on it, um, and and she loved them. I, I I don't know. I guess it was just the you know the contrast of the comedic level um, versus the seriousness of Bob and. So I, I I just always gravitated to Larry and all of especially all the goofy songs. Yeah, man, I think my daughter would agree. Uh, Larry the Cucumber is one of her favorite characters. So my number four is just a good old classic. I, I got my kids into watching uh, the show that this character's on, or I guess network, whatever you want to call it. And this is their favorite character. As I you know, I, I feel like it deserves its spot. Uh, number four is Bugs Bunny. And, you know, it's just my daughter, my youngest daughter, she always calls me Bugs Bunny. Or no, no, she calls herself Bugs Bunny, and I'm Elmer Fudd. So, uh, yeah. Fair. Yeah, she's also Roadrunner, and I'm Coyote. So, uh, you know, uh, I just think, you know, Bugs Bunny, he's just got that clever, witty humor that just, you know, even makes adults watch him and go, ha, that's funny. Ha, that's good. Uh, and he's just been around for so long. I mean, you know, I think you know, one of the longest in the game off of my list, at least. Uh, I'm not sure about all y'all's, but yeah, man. Classic Bugs Bunny. So uh, number three to you, Kenny. Uh, this one is uh, I'm so excited. Like when Disney Plus dropped, my man's numbers went all the way up and people finally put some respect on my man's name. I'm talking about Darkwing Duck, bro. Yes. Oh, what's that? Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, you know what I'm saying? When there's trouble, you call DW, bro. That <laughs> intro still slaps, bro. Like, I, oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. Darkwing Duck. You know, I got to see if my kids get down with that. I got to see if my kids get down. Please, with that. please do it. Let me know how it goes. My daughter is <laughs> not feeling Darkwing at all. Wow. No, she's, she's in the back. She's, she's nodding her head no right now. She's not feeling Darkwing at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you, girl. I'm with you. <laughs> ah, man. Ah, man. All right. Number uh, number three for you, Sean. Uh, again, another departure from the the animal uh, library of, of uh, characters. Herbie, the love bug. <laughs> I just think you wanted to be different, man. You did. I, I never have thought of it. Oh, but you bro. are a VW fan. You are a VW I, fan. I, I have been for a very long time. I've always that. been to old VWs um, grew up on the, the old movies. Um, the newer, the newer movie with Lindsay Lohan's just okay, but it's one of my daughter's favorites. She grew up on it. So, um, but I, I don't know, man, it's just always enjoyed Herbie and uh, you know, the comic relief that, that you get, I'm, I'm seeing a trend here, comic relief, comic relief for the last three. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, Herbie. Yeah, see, uh, a lot of the people I grew up with called it Irby. It was Irby, Irby. to them. Yeah, they enjoyed well, that. Well, was it? That, but that was something else, wasn't it? It might have been. It might have been. They probably thought their cars were talking after having Irby. Uh, so, <laughs> my number three, uh, you know, 
there was a, a, a kind of reference to him in the Snyder or in, in the Justice League talking about uh, Gorilla Sign Language, which I don't know if a lot of people caught that, but Grodd from the DC Universe. So this is, you know, intelligent, um, telepathic, what is he, ape, I think? And uh, and so, or gorilla, gorilla, gorilla. gorilla. I was like, it's in the name. <laughs> yeah, gorilla. I, I thought about it. I was like, no, it's a gorilla, not an ape. So uh, anyway, so Grodd, you know, just one of the, uh, really, man, he's one of the, honestly, one of the most dangerous DC characters. I mean, he's got kind of the power of uh, Professor X, almost. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. Professor X is one of the most well-respected X-Men of all time. And Grodd can do that, but he's also got this strength capacity uh, I wouldn't say quite of the Hulk, but he'd be the closest comparison in the Marvel Universe. Uh, so Grodd's really got, you know, you got to put a little bit of respect on him. And, uh, you know, and you know, there was an episode of the Flash uh, CW series where he just kind of ran the show. He ran the show. Yeah. And I was just like, man, this he really doesn't get enough respect, in my opinion, uh, for a DC villain. Uh, one of the best ones out there, in my opinion. So, you know. I think I've stated that enough. So uh, let's go to number two, Kenny. Sean always thinks I, yeah. I, I reiterate stuff. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate your Gorilla Grodd pick, bro. Like the CW really made me put respect on Grodd's name. Yeah. Like especially when you really, like, the first time they fought, he thought, you know, Flash thought he was going to do that, that that supersonic punch. Oh boy, you know what I'm saying, rock them. And every time he comes up against Grodd, he barely gets away with his life. And so, yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't realize Grodd was so powerful. So yeah, I definitely... The respect on Grodd's name. My number two pick is um, his name is Miyamoto Usagi, and he's from the comic book uh, Usagi Ojibo. It's Samurai Rabbit. He's been running for like 35 years. He's he's like, here's the crazy thing about Usagi. He's been in several of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics. He's even appeared on the 2003 TMNT uh, show, but he's never had a show of his own. And he's you know the comic book has won various comic book awards and stuff, but they announced that he's going to be getting his own Netflix show. I don't know when, so I'm excited about that. As somebody who's kind of, I'm not a hardcore fan, but like he's he's the uh, lock screen of my phone. Like I'm going to hold it up for you. This is a fan art that somebody drew of him. So yeah, okay. just Google, you know, Usagi U S A G I Yojimbo, and yeah, or just Samurai Rabbit. Type in Samurai Rabbit. He should pop up. That's my number two. Yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. Sean, number two. Uh, old school Disney. Uh, I, it has a special connection uh, for me and my mom. It was uh, originally a, um, a, a movie that her and I watched. Uh, he did get his own little spinoff uh, cartoon show for a little while. Um I didn't like it as much, but it, you know, it was okay. I guess because I was probably too old for it, really. Uh, but Baloo from the Jungle Book, um, Bare Necessities, uh, you know, it was one of those songs that was catchy. And I don't know, I guess maybe there's still, again, something about the shape of the dude that I relate to. I'm, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> hey, look, though, you, you, did, you didn't like Tailspin, bro? No. Uh, you and my daughter are in the same boat. Y'all in the same wavelength. <laughs> I'm like, bro, that's another one. Nine. First of all, we got to show some respect for Disney's 90, like Saturday or their, their afternoon cartoon lineup, bro. 
Mug was unmatched. And that was another one with a slapper of a of an anthem, bro. Oh, we yo tailspin. You ready to go up and dance, fam? Like, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> yeah. it's not for everybody. You gotta have a certain palette for that. <laughs> I was in high school, so I was, you know, more concerned about girls and hooking up at that time. So no. That's fair. That's no. fair. <laughs> All right, my number two, I actually gotta re reorganize mine. Um, because my number one's really uh the best so uh i'm gonna go michelangelo you know you put teenage mutant ninja turtles and that had me thinking of of all the 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 teenage mutant ninja turtles he was my favorite he was that comic relief he was the one that made you laugh um you know and and, you know Raphael would kind of be my my second favorite but uh just because he's got that that anger that passion part that you know i try to stay away from so uh but michelangelo man just you know when you especially watch the uh the secret of ooze my no, uh, was that the second one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to me, he just really shined in that particular film, and and I gotta say this real quick: the original films are thirty five hundred times better than the remakes. Period. Period. So I gotta say that, and uh, so yeah, man, Michelangelo, the orange, uh, the orange, teenage mutant ninja turtle. Just in case you don't know which one he is, and um. Yeah, man. So uh, let's go ahead and go on to our number one. Can you lead the way, sir? Man, you see it. I know you see it. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> as a group, man. Like they 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 set the bar for like anthropomorphic animals, bro. Like when you after them, you, you saw people trying to do stuff like street sharks. You saw people they try to do something with uh, uh, biker mice from Mars. Uh, Disney even had like the Mighty Ducks, but they were actual anthropomorphic ducks from the planet. Puck, you know what I'm saying? Everybody Gargoyles. was trying to bite the TMNT. Yeah, they were trying to bite the TMNT swag, bro. They saw like, oh, there's money in this. All the toys, the action figures. Like I follow Kevin Eastman to this day. That's one of the creators of the Turtles on IG, bro. And like, it's just amazing. Like the, the fact that you know him and uh, Peter Laird created something that they can eat off of for the rest of their lives, and it's been around for thirty something years. And with the last Ronin thing, that you know, kind of broke the internet when people were like, who's going to be the last turtle alive? Like, they've been sitting on that idea since, like, 87. The comics came out in 84. They had that idea in 87, and they just kind of sat on it, and they finally dropped it. And that first, the first two issues have sold over 180,000 copies in a time where people are wondering if the comic industry is dead. I'm like, that's crazy to me. So, yeah, put some respect on the turtles. My favorite is Raphael, just because I like the side. I didn't really care about his, um, his attitude. I just like, I thought his weapon was cool. So, yeah, yeah. To me, that the attitude that he had in what was it the second one with the kidnap, um, Splinter. I can't remember. Whenever, whenever they kidnapped Splinter, the first one, that the was first, the first one. one, and he went completely yeah. berserk out on his own. I was like, yeah, that that'd probably be me trying to break away from the crowd. Anyway, Sean, you're number one, sir. Well, I I gotta throw in my two cents about uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They okay. they didn't make my list at all, um, but I I I actually specifically remember when that first issue uh, released in comic book stores. I was at a Leary comic book store in Washington, and I picked it up, and everybody was talking about it, and I said, "Bro, it's in black and white, and they're." They're turtles? What? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'll put it back on the shelf, man. I I, I think I grabbed uh, an NX Men comic or something, and uh, you know, of course, now I'm I'm wishing I bought it 
and you know saved it because it's crazy expensive uh but i was like nine when it when it came out so 1984 so it's it's been a minute um all right so my my number one aslan aslan the lion yeah so you know not 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 like a you know cartoon kind of thing but um still obviously fits that you know we, we have an animal character with uh human-esque kind of qualities well uh, obviously we know that it's uh, more of a god representation uh but it, you know there's just it, even in the movie uh the line the witch and the wardrobe there's just something super comforting uh thank you Liam neeson uh for voicing that uh about aslan that just um i i you know everything that you think uh about uh, a good father figure um a, a, you know even a best friend aslan kind of fills all of that and uh so that's why he's my number one awesome man awesome so my number one, a lot of people are going to know this character from the the MCU, uh, and even more specifically from the uh, probably top three MCU film. Period. I don't care what weird people think. Uh, people thought this movie was weird, but Rocket Raccoon, just one of the best characters in the MCU. Period. Uh, one of the funniest. And just really, really, I mean, honestly, man, when I first saw Guardians of the Galaxy, I was like, who would have thought about this? Like, I wanted to really figure out who, who sat down and thought, let's have a raccoon, uh, put some mechanics in him, and then make him be a bounty hunter with a talking tree. You know, Groot almost made my list, but um, uh, he, he's a great character, too, but I, I had to give respect where respect would do with these other folks. But uh, Rocket Raccoon, man, he just, I don't know, to me, he you know, they're supposed to be doing a lot more of his story in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, showing more of his background, so I'm really excited about that. At one point, they talked about doing a Rocket Raccoon and Groot Disney Plus series, which would be phenomenal. That would be fantastic. I'd love to see that. And uh, he's just, I don't know, just one of my favorite characters. I didn't, honestly, just to be front, I didn't like him as much in Endgame. Uh, obviously they can't give him too much attention in general. So that's part of the reason I think that's where I would agree with Sean and that characters don't get enough kind of storyline development in those type of films. So rocket really was slacking in that, but you know, they, they can only do so much, but as far as both of the guardians movie goes and in infinity war, one of the best characters in the MCU. So that's my number one. Uh, you have any, uh, honorable mentions, Ken, you might want to throw out there real quick. Uh, no, I didn't know. We, we could do an honorable mention, bro. <laughs> I was just focusing on the five, fam. But if I, if I, if I had to throw one off top, man. Uh, Got to give a splitter, bro. Splitter. Splinter. I mean, that's a good one. Splinter is a I good mean, one. He saved the day uh, in Infinity War or Endgame. He saved the day. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> that's one way to look at it. I mean, yeah. I don't I don't have any, man. I don't okay, have any. okay. <laughs> Well, I I have Groot as an honorable mention. Um, I you know I I couldn't I can't get down with with Rocket and I I it's you know I like his character and all, but I think the pro my problem my hang up is I get Rocky Raccoon the song by the Beatles 
stuck in my head anytime I think rocket, rocket raccoon. Uh, anyway, I, it's it, it's all wrong, I know, but it, it's just <laughs> where my head goes and and I get locked up. So, um, but Groot did make my honorable mention. Um, I, you know that sort of kind of silent character, but you know the ability to be able to. I, I think the the fact that he only has I am Groot as uh, any kind of, uh, of of technical words to be used, that means that the rest of what he's communicating is in the tone in which he communicates and then also in his actions, uh, which I, I get really cool, kind of brilliant. And I'd like to see more of that highlighted in some of the movies. But anyway, uh, another honorable mention, Warner Brothers and Dot from Animaniacs. I don't think I've ever seen either. I, I, I oh, seen that. Did, did I stump you guys on that one? You got me. I think Kenny knows what you're talking about. Probably. No, I know. I know. I know that yeah, one, bro. Yeah. You know, it's time for Animaniacs. You know what I'm saying? You get paid <laughs> per play contracts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was. It, it, it. To me, it was a little more adultish, uh, which is probably mm-hmm. why I enjoyed it more. Uh, but Jason, you, you got a uh, HBO. I, I'm sure it's on there. Yeah, I think so. I think. Yeah, uh, and the reboot's on Hulu, or it was. No, oh, okay. Gotcha. I didn't know there was a reboot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's... bro, it's so. I've, I've only watched the first couple of episodes, but like they really make fun of reboots and they make fun of themselves. And even the trailers for it, like, oh, we definitely sold out. Some <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> honorable mention Groot would definitely have to be on there, uh, as well as the um, man. Thought about oh the gargoyles. I already said it earlier. Uh, oh, I, I love the gargoyles good. growing up. Uh, it was one of my favorite shows. Uh, I even got interested in Egypt and uh, lots of stuff in in all regards to Egypt because of that show. I used to I, I used it in a couple of like social studies projects and all that because of that show. And uh, so I really enjoyed that. You know, not not one in particular, just the whole entire show. But uh, so I really enjoyed that. And uh, and I would also have to say um, a cat dog, cat dog. That's I watched that a little bit growing up too, so that's a kind of a, a weirder one. But yeah, man, that's our round five. Uh, Kenny, uh, honestly, man, I appreciate you bringing this to the table. Yeah. I don't know if Sean and I would have thought to do this down the road. I really don't think we would have. So it's yeah. good, man. You, you stretched our um, our capacity to think beyond uh, typical boring stuff. So anyway. We're going to have Kenny back on for one more segment, and uh, so make sure y'all stay tuned. God, tattoo on my heart and leave it scar. Help me to believe in who you are, even if they leave me in the dark. I don't even know why you forgave me Feel like I'm forgazy Can't even deal, can't even be real Feel like I'm going crazy I know the deal, Lord of conceal Keep me through the night They wanna steal, Lord of prevail Lead me through the fight I know the enemy is trying to control me And if there's any of me dying, it's the old me I see that many are complying with the phony But your love is real, Lord I thank you, God Tattoo on my heart and leave it scarred Help me to believe in who you are Even if they leave me in the dark In the dark, in the dark, oh my God Sometimes I don't even know the way 
don't care what others say A piece of me is dying every day But your love is real, Lord I thank you, God Sitting in the darkness with a spotlight Everybody, welcome back to Solomon's Porch with your host Jason and Sean, and we are joined once again with a good friend of the show here on the porch. Uh, he he, we just had a, a, a great round five where we talked about our top five anthropomorphic characters. Thank you again, Kenny, for sharing that with us. And uh, and Kenny Fresh, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. That was that was fun, man. It was, it was dope. I feel like uh, as the show goes on, my words tend to dwindle more and more. So uh, we might need to make this thing quicker than usual. No, I'm just playing. But uh, yeah, man. So we got Kenny on the show. Uh, we talked about his uh, spoken word, uh, what that looks like earlier in the news segment portion of this show. And right now we kind of wanted to, uh, well, actually I wanted to, I brought it up and I thought these two gentlemen could help me kind of think about some biblical principles applied to this idea. But what does it mean to be yourself or be true to yourself? So uh, I'm going to kind of give a little bit of context to what I mean. Uh, the other evening at a Bible study, we were talking about uh, sinful lifestyle, things like that. And one of the things I thought about and kind of listening to what was being said was actually from Jackie Hill Perry. And so she is a spoken word artist. She's a hip hop artist. She's an author. Uh, she's lots of things. Uh, she's done a ton of work. You can pretty much look her up and find her on different types of platforms. So she's very multi-talented, but, uh, she wrote a book called gay girl, good God. And the idea was more about her, um, her lesbian lifestyle was a result of her, her, uh, kind of lack of identity. It was a mistaken identity. Kenny, did you read that book? Yeah, bro. I, I bought it. Um, I bought it, the, the physical copy, and I, I think I was listening to the uh, audio version as well. Yeah, that's that. That's two books down on my list to read. That's going to be my next one to read. But, you know, and then part of what I was thinking was a lot of times when you're talking about, you know, either uh, – gender identity or the transgender community, things like that. It's really about that identity. And a lot of things that's usually being said, and it's said to anybody, whether it's a type of lifestyle or not, you know, you often hear the phrase, be true to yourself. 
or be true to who you truly are, things like that. And I wanted to kind of think about, you know, does the Bible address this in any way? Can we take biblical principles, scriptures, and kind of address this issue? Because from the outside in, and I did a short video on this on Facebook, I think last night, is I feel like that can be dangerous. I feel like it can be because outside of Christ, like where do we get our identity from? Get it from just our emotions, from our feelings, from who other people tell us we are or should be. Uh, I don't know. Have either, any of you ever kind of given this any thought at all, or am I kind of by myself on this uh, lonely branch of life? Um, I think it's it's coming up now because another another popular saying is um, like speak your truth, your truth, and. Um, I don't know. It, I think it can be dangerous because God did design us a certain way. So he's, he's got the blueprints, the plans. And so I think when you tap into the way he designed you, like some people are good at communication because that's how God designed you. Uh, you know, there's certain things. And there's people who want to go against that. Like they want to say, I'm shy when they know that God has called them to like actually talk to people. And so to stay true to yourself, you would think, why should you stay in the shell? Because that's, that's me reality is you're, you're called for something else and so you really you really have to surrender god we don't you know who we've been told to be we know who we were raised to be we don't really know who we are and i think the whole this whole walk called life is about finding finding out who we are who we're supposed to be right if, if i listen to people you know i would i would have been a preacher right because I'm, I'm a family preachers and people i think assume just because i like to read the Bible because I like to read comic books that transition to liking to read the Bible and because I like talking to people they thought that I was gonna be a preacher they you know never really thought oh I could be doing this poetry thing like that was you know what I'm saying so like if you let if you live for other people's things I, I would have a house somewhere I'll be doing all kinds of stuff I would be a doctor I, you know what I'm saying like that's people really have all kinds of expectations and then you look inward you have expectations of yourself that um come from somewhere and a lot of it's not God. So you just really got to turn over um, control of your life and what you think and really just spend time trying to know yourself and know who God made you be. Yeah, that was one of the things that um, uh, Prophet Josiah, he said in, in my comments on it, he was saying that the the goal is to try to be who God created you to be. Use the gifts, make the moves that God's calling you to make and not what other people say. And so one person I was thinking about as you were talking was uh, uh, Gideon. So, you know, mm. Gideon, he was very humble, very uh, small man. He thought you know, he was you know weak and this, that, and the other. And then God calls him as a mighty man of valor against what he believed about himself. And so, you know, that's an example of, you know, God calling out something that God saw in him, what God placed in him, but not what he felt about himself. Uh, and we, I, I, I'd have to go back and read the whole story. I, I don't think there was anything as specific that might have made Gideon feel that way. Uh, not sure. I can't remember his history, stuff like that. But it's the idea that, you know, God called him to be a certain thing, and that's what he needed to answer to, not what uh, he kind of thought about himself. And so, and I think part of that too is, you know, you look at, you know, you look at Saul, you look at Cephas. A lot of individuals in the Bible, Abram, 
you know, all these different characters, it's almost like when God connected with them, he gave them a new identity, which kind of falls into the concept in the Bible about, you know, you're given a new identity, you're, you're a new creature in Christ. And so, you know, when I think about those things, I'm like, I don't really know if I should be dependent on how I feel about myself to live out my life. Uh, and that's why I feel like, you know, telling people to stay true to who you, you know, or stay true to who you are, or, or like you said, you know, kind of live your truth is, you know, one of the things that we know is that we're liars, you know, we're liars to ourselves. I mean, that's who we are, that we truly are liars. And so, you know, Satan lies to us. Uh, he is a deceiver. So he's going to tell us certain things about us. That's not true. And, uh, and usually it's going to be things that make us feel good. Or make us, you know, kind of tickle our fancy or whatever kind of terminology you want to use. And, uh, and that's what kind of made me think, like, we need to really focus on, on what God says about us as, you know, I guess as people, as the people of God, as uh, individuals. And I think that might be the hardest thing is how do we know what God says about us and ourselves? Like, how do we find that? Like, you know, we, we talk last time, Sean, about, you know, everybody having kind of the same calling and having godly character. So we have those and then how you work on that in preparation for your other calling. But, you know, how do we really find who we are in Christ? Have you, any of y'all heard any good breakdown of that or examples or anything like that? No? I'm trying to think. I, I think that knowing uh, <laughs> that's, that's a good question. I, I think um, for me, how do I know? Uh, for me, if it challenges my comforts, okay, uh, but it lines up with God's word um, and it, it helps people. That's kind of when I know that um, I'm supposed to do something. Like poetry, for example. Like uh, growing up, I hated writing. Right? Um, I'm supposed to write essays or. You know, in fifth grade, I was just spacing the words further apart just to write less. And, you know, uh, then I get to a point where uh, I'm in college, had my first heartbreak or whatever, and I wrote a poem. And then my grandfather died in 2010, and I wrote uh, a poem then and shared it. Um, and I just saw that it impacted people. And so I've just kind of been pursuing it ever since, ever since 2008. And that's very... Um, this is different. It, I never would have imagined that. I had the, um, I had the, uh, I had a love of words that was established from a child, reading and all that stuff. And I never thought that a love of words would turn into a love of writing. So um, that's kind of, kind of something like that, you know. And the thing about God is that's kind of frustrating is He only gives you crumbs. He's not going to give you the whole thing. One, because it'll probably blow our minds, and then two, we probably would screw it up, right? So He's kind of gotta feed us. The breadcrumbs and people don't want the they don't want to wait for the crumbs they don't want to follow the trail they want the whole thing now god's not going to give me my whole life purpose and identity now i'm just going to make one for myself and that's kind of what this world does it, it challenges like every every single societal norm of getting challenged and some of that's good and then some of that's bad and it's just it's interesting uh the times that we live in yeah i think for uh for me it's really I think seeing the doors that God opens can kind of help me um, 
kind of practice more of who I feel like God's calling me to be. And so, you know, it's like, hey, Jason, come and kind of practice this over here. And so he kind of opens those doors. And then, you know, those are the things that, that kind of help me understand, I, I guess, more so my calling or purpose in life. And, uh, you know, which kind of is a, a, a characteristic of who I am. It doesn't make me, uh, it doesn't define me necessarily. What I do doesn't define me. And I think that's kind of another thing, too, is the idea that what we do defines us. Um, I heard uh, D Mob actually. He had he was doing a sermon or something one time, and it was interesting because he, <laughs> I I don't know if there was another better way to word it, but he said I'm he he said nobody's called to be a rapper. He said because at some point everybody quits rapping, so are they quitting their calling? And he said, you know, you're called to be a believer, a Christian. That's something that you live out. Uh, you know, I guess, you know, as, as, as fathers, we're called to be a father. Like that's going to kind of remain as married men. We're called to be married. That's going to remain. Um, so, and, and that kind of feeds more to who we are rather than what we do. So, you know, Kenny, you are an artist, you're a poet, you're a spoken word artist, but that's not your complete identity. And so, and I think even, you know, with, Simple, simple behaviors. You know, we, a lot of times, you know, we call, like a lot of times, when we're exam, we're we're using people in scripture for their negative traits to show that God uses broken people or fallen people to do His work. You know, we look at different people like Abraham as a coward or a pimp, uh, like Sean likes to to reference him as. <laughs> I've so. never heard him call that before. Really? Could you please explain? Could you please explain that? That's hilarious. Sean, break that down real quick, man. Give you some words. Well, here. I, I mean, what did he do when he was faced up against a king? Twice. Twice. He he pimped out his wife. Yeah. So in Genesis, there were two situations where he goes up to a king. And Sarah being very beautiful, he's scared that they will kill him to take her. So he tells right. them that Sarah was his sister. That way they wouldn't kill him. But at the same time, that leaves her available to be, you know, a bride. <laughs> and he does that twice. And then his son, yeah. his son actually does the same thing. Right. So his, right, son, yeah. his son's also a pimp. Um, you know, but anyway, so there's multiple people in the Bible that <laughs> the, the, the OG pimp daddy, right? The yeah, first yeah. one. Oh, wow. There you go. You got pimp junior and Isaac. So, um, but in general though, we look at, you know, some people look at that as their identity and, uh, but even, you know, when you look at the, um, you know, even the, you know, not to jump into that topic, but the, the Hebrew Israelite movement, I'm actually reading the Eric Mason book now, um, Urban Apologetics, and they talk about that, how you have, you know, uh, this lost identity and you're searching for it. And, and you know, not that it's wrong to search for your ethnic background, but you don't want to make that your full identity. Like, like where you come from doesn't define who you are. And I think even in Christ, like you're given that new identity in Christ. And so that's where we start with, but this is who I am. Now, how do I live out my life? And so, uh, you know, 
I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with staying true to maybe your gifts and your talents and, and living those out for God and, and being who God created you to be as long as you're more focused on what you feel like God's calling you to be rather than what everybody else tells you you can be. I think that's where we get lost. And um, I don't know. Those are kind of my thoughts on it. Not a, I guess not a whole lot there. Anybody got anything y'all want to add to that or expound on or, or final thoughts? It's kind of a short segment here. Well, you know, there's there's characteristics that we have, then there's culture that we have, and then there's our our identity in Christ. And obviously, as believers, our our identity in Christ is first and foremost. So when we're trying to be true to ourselves, that's our, our primary concern. Uh, it's not even being true to ourselves as us being true to God uh, and, and who he's created us to be. Um, and so through that, then I may have a, you know, if, if I were deaf, I would have deaf culture as part of who I am, but it, it's not my primary, you know? And so even though I may live that out and it may be an integral part of my day-to-day life, even more so beyond that is my life in Christ, as opposed to being deaf or what I do in the deaf community. Um, and, and I use that because that's, you know, as, as frankly, as, as a white guy, I don't really have much of a cultural identity. I, I could probably throw a dart at a, a map and probably hit someone from ancestry that, you know, you could find in my lineage somewhere. So I, I, you know, I can't really identify with being specifically Welsh or Irish or something like that. Um, I'm sure I have all of those plus about, you know, 20 others. But the the fact is, is that um, there are other folks that have a stronger cultural identity and that is a part of who they are. Um, and I think that, you know, we, so we try to use that term being true to yourself in those kinds of contexts. Uh, whereas from a Christian perspective, our primary concern is that being true to, to who God is, uh, has called us to be, who we are in, in Christ. Um, and that, that's, you know, that's really all that I, I had for this, um, you know, because it, otherwise it, it's easy to sidetrack back to what our last segment was uh, from the last show and, and finding calling and, and those sorts of things. Um, and, you know, we've discussed on the show about nationalism and being patriotic and how we confuse patriotism with being a Christian and those kinds of things. And so even beyond that, we have a kingdom mindset. We are focused on God as a primary, um, you know, if we wanted to get really technical, when Christians are flying flags in their front yard, the Christian flag should be higher than, you know, the American flag and the North Carolina flag or whatever state you live in flag. Um, you know, that's disrespectful to the American flag. I get that. But, you know, frankly, who, who cares when it comes down to the kingdom flag? And, and even then, that's just man-made anyway. So whatever. Yeah, and that's, I mean, you know, this this is going to veer a little bit, just a little bit, a tad bit. But often when I hear people, um, you know, when I hear, you know, I'll say the, the, the white Christians complain about 
Uh, and, you know, I'm not saying I completely agree with Eshawn Burgundy and a lot of things that he's saying specifically, but him trying to figure out his roots and, and things like that, I don't think there's anything wrong with it in the same way where, you know, we've had a white gentleman at our old church. Uh, he, he would wear a kilt a lot because he had Scottish heritage. Nobody complained to him about wearing a kilt. You know, I mean, some people might have joked about it because it looks like a skirt and whatnot or whatever for that aspect of it. But nobody has said, hey, man, you're American first. Like you shouldn't, you know, like nobody gave him, you know, issues with that. However, you know, I'm not going to lie. When I think about, you know, when I first saw Ishan wearing, um, I guess, what was more African garb. Uh, I think and the weird thing is, like, I think what Ishan did bothered me a little more than what I saw whenever uh, Black Panther came out. Because it seemed like it was more like I felt like it was more okay for uh, you know African Americans to try to find more root in their African heritage rather than like Ishan trying to you know Israelite heritage and things like that. But at the same time, you know I gotta look at myself and say, hey, you know, as long as he doesn't put that above uh, being you know a child of God, then then it's okay for him to try to figure out where his heritage is. Uh, just because I don't care about mine doesn't mean nobody else shouldn't care about theirs. And I think that's, you know, that's one thing that I've had to learn over the years is I don't care about heritage. You know, I hear Southerners all the time. They say, you know, heritage, not hate. And I'm like, I, I, I don't care about heritage outside of my heritage of Christ that's the same reason why I don't care that I'll never have a, a blood lineage son is because carrying on my name as heritage doesn't matter. Like, as long as my daughters carry the name of Christ, I'm okay. I'm all right. Uh, that kind of veered away from the original topic, but Kenny, you want to add to that, man? Yeah, yeah, man. You, you, you touched something good. Um, when when he talks about uh, speaking as a black person, like that identity piece is huge. And that's why the Hebrew Israelite is rising because it gives them a not only a identity, but one where they are empowered, right? With or, and empowered, right? And there's nothing wrong with being empowered. But like you said, as long as you don't make it an idol. And I think that's kind of one thing that's happened is people have made ancestry and heritage their idols. And like, I mean, it'd be cool for me to know where I come from. I'm not going to submit my blood sample to these people to find out. I'm good on that. Um, but <laughs> I think that identity is good. And also, it's important for Black people because whenever in certain circles, when Black people do bring up Black issues and, you know, just stuff like that, then stereotypically White Christians will use scriptures about we are all one in Christ to kind of like, beat them down like like no no you know that that verse means there's no barriers to getting in but god made me black on purpose right so i you, you have to one acknowledge that and honor that right and, and then we can move from there and i think a lot of times people just kind of turn a blind eye to color and it's like no it's god made me this way so it means it's important um it just it's just not more important than like you said it's not more important than the name of christ but it is important and it should be acknowledged and whenever Southerners do say heritage not hate. Ask them, uh, heritage to do what? You know what I'm saying? Because when they get into the Southern heritage, it's like, oh, okay. All right, what were the Southerners doing? Who was doing that work? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of, that's one of the, that's a good rebuttal. They lost. Yeah, that's who. (laughs) They really lost, bro. Like, who? Yeah, we're we're, we're proud. We lost. We're losers. 
treason, bro. Like, tell them, like, the heritage, what, treason? Because that's really what the heritage was, fam. Fighting against like, high taxation is what it was. <laughs> that's what it was. Right. That's what typically I've always been, you know, told, you know, whenever I go to my local fair and you have the, the Republican Party there with the Confederate flags, they always, you know, they would always, I, I, you know, walk by and they'd stop and they'd say, hey, do you know why uh, the, you know, the, what 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 the Confederate uh, War was about, or what the you know Confederate War, or the Civil War was about, and the Confederacy was about, and I was like, uh, you know, and I don't want to get into it. I was like, eh, yeah, yeah, I've heard, but like it was about taxation. It was about taxation. You know that, that that's what the whole thing was about. And I didn't dive into it, but so you know, usually when people that I hear talk about the war, it was from the North trying to overtax the South, and that's what the whole war was about. So. But what were they trying to tax though? That would have been my pushback. What were they? They were trying to tax them for having black people, right? That was the thing because the blacks outnumbered the, the southerners. So if they actually had to pay tax, because that was the right. whole thing. Black people were considered three fifths a person, the three fifths compromise. But if they if they got taxed like a whole person, then like a lot of folks would have been broke because right. they were outnumbered at least ten to one. So that's kind of like yes, he's right, taxation, but mm, we'll <laughs> yeah, that's it's yeah, kind of the yeah. thing. He told he, he told a, a small piece of it, but like no, yeah. it was it was fought over slavery. That's to me that's America's original sin, and that's uh, until we ever you know acknowledge it. it. It just took the SBC what they just acknowledged that slavery was a bad was bad like what a couple years ago. You talking like 150 years, and what gets on my nerves is when people ask, especially when people, white people ask, why is there a black church? Because y'all wouldn't let us worship with me. Like the Amazons started because dudes were. They were in the church. They said it was cool. They went up to pray, and like people came up to throw them out. I was like, no, you, you can't kneel here. Is that we'll wait till after prayer? Wait till we're done praying, then we'll leave. And it's like, nah. They wanted them out now. And so my whole thing is like, um, for me as a person, I don't. I like propaganda said that racism isn't a black person's problem because we didn't create it. You know what I'm saying? We deal with the effects. We deal with the trauma. But like, we didn't. That's not our problem, bro. And so we have HBCUs, historically black college universities. Those were started by the black church because white people didn't want us to go to school because they wanted to worship with them. So that's why I hate when people say the whole segre- you know, Sunday is the most segregated day of the week. We didn't do that. Right. We right. created something because we couldn't worship. You know what I'm saying? And so now that now that people are starting to kind of think that racism is a bad idea, we're supposed to abolish or you know uh, demean the black church. Like, nah, man, without the black church, there wouldn't have been civil rights. Like, you know, white. White Baptists were telling Martin Luther King Jr. to wait, just wait, just be patient, you know, wait a little bit longer. He's like, nah, bro, like we we need this yesterday. We need that check to clear yesterday. So yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's interesting. But like getting back to the point, identity is important. Um, but like you said, we're not identified by our sin just because you lie. You're not a liar. You might have that tendency, but don't yeah. when you make that the focal point, then that's all you focus on. And it's like, you know what? No, I, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. And I struggle with lying. You know what I'm saying? Um, or I'm whatever, you know, and that's the whole thing. Just don't put the, the identity or whatever over with over the name of Christ. So that's that's kind of but it, it, it is important. Like identity, ethnicity, it is important because God created us this way for a reason. He, he you, your family line was born somewhere for a reason. There's a rich history there. If you can find if you especially like. Uh, I, I always thought it was cool that that Latin X people could speak their their little native language. They've got these stories that they can pass down that have been passed down to them. 
always thought that was cool. And, you know, I sought to learn Spanish because, like, there's, for them, there's no getting away from it. Like, it's a part of it. They got it. For Black people, we don't know what. Like, we don't know what country we're from. And it's we don't know any of that stuff. And so, you know, sometimes they're grasping at straws. Like, oh, he is a light? Are you saying that Black people were the first first, you know, the real Hebrews, like that sounds really empowering because the Bible was written <laughs> primarily about Hebrews. So we all oh, we're black and we're in a position of power instead of like the enslaved as very uh, attractive. But yeah, it, it's it, it's a whole thing. I'm so glad that you're reading that book because you put me onto that book. And so uh, Bro, it is. argument apologetics because we're, we're witnessing a mass exodus of black people from church because they believe these YouTube videos, they believe that Christianity is the white man's religion. And then when you try to rebuttal, whenever black Christian hip hop artists bring up race and, and systemic issues, then, you know, Christians are in their comments. And then the unsaved are like, these are the people that are your yeah. brothers and sisters. Yeah. This is who y'all, this is, explain to me again how this is not the white person's religion. I think I'll do something different over here. Um, so it's it's a lot, bro. It's, it's a lot. And you know, people just gotta face it. Like this is this is us. Like the show. This is America, bro. Like we're, we're super. Derek Chauvin is on trial for a murder that everybody saw. Eight minutes forty six seconds, bro. No, him. George Floyd having drug issues did not cause him to die. Somebody had their foot on his neck, or their knee on his neck for almost nine minutes. Yeah. And I don't even know why people. I, I'm not gonna watch it. I'm not watching the trial. I'm not trying to get it triggered or none of that but it's just like and this is america i saw a tweet it's like tell like tell me how we know that america is a failed state i'll show you we're watching a four-week we're going through a four-week trial for a murder everybody saw like everybody yeah. saw it no denying it like yeah. that's just kind of where we are <laughs> yeah i've been yeah. seeing lots of my stuff about that but i will say uh <clears throat> to this book urban apologetics uh, Restoring Black Dignity with the Gospel by Eric Mason. It, it's, a, it's a mixture of different ar- authors in it. Uh, it's not just him himself. He's got other people in there. And it is really good just to understand the different thoughts that are out there, the different, uh, you know, I, I'd say issues that are plaguing the black community. And even if you're not <laughs> black, it's good to read because now you understand, hold on, wait. So the reason why you have the Nation of Islam, you have... Uh, the black Hebrews, even uh, black atheism is growing and all these different things is because of uh, a lot of American history. Uh, But even, you know, before that, you know, going into, you know, even beyond that, but primarily right now, it's more of a history here in America. And so in understanding the things that we need to get past, get beyond, uh, or I I guess the issues we should, um, come the, the truths that we have to come to in order to kind of get past that so the church can be the church and be united as you know we say we should be even though we're not uh because we can't get past certain things and so anyway i i, I do want to just interject real quick i you know i i definitely don't want to be misconstrued and i want to make sure that any of uh our our especially our, our white Christian listeners take away from this is that, um, you know, it's really easy to say for us to be able to say that, oh, hey, you know, yeah, we're all one. So you guys, y'all need to be like this, that whitewashing. And, and 
white American Christians do that a lot. We have a tendency to want to whitewash everything. And, um, you know, so your heritage and, you know, your culture, your community is all part of who you are. And you don't have to, you don't have to like give that away or, or put it away or anything else to be a Christian. And, and I think that that's, you know, that's something that, um, especially just a, a lot of white churches just don't quite understand, you know, um, they, they don't get that. And, um, you know, it's the, the whole Sunday morning thing is, is, is a real bugger anyway. Um, because it, it almost still seems like you either have to, if you're black, you have to whitewash to go to a white church, uh, you know, or vice versa. And, and, and it just, I, I don't know, man. It's it to me. That's that's a tough situation. Um, I you know I've I've worshipped freely in, in both scenarios, uh, and in in multicultural churches as well. And uh, it's it, it it never sort of seems like it's it, it's an easy thing for folks to really get comfortable with. At least here in the South. Um, I, Kenny, I'm not real sure where you are. Where are you? Uh, man, like I'm in the knockoff South. I'm in the Midwest. I'm in uh, Indiana slash Kentucky. So, but my dad's okay. side of the family is from Texas. Like I, I was living in oh, Texas yeah. in '98 when um, that, that, uh, just a bunch of crazy stuff happened in the '90s uh, in Texas. Okay. But yeah, no, nah, man, I'm a Navy brat. I moved all around. I born in Hawaii, lived in California, Texas, uh, Florida. And now I've, I've been in the Midwest since about 2006. But there's still, there's still, uh, you know residues of, of all that stuff. You know, Kentucky was like a, a slave um, state. So they've got, me. you know, the whole Breonna Taylor situation that happened last year, like that is just um, the LMPD, Louisville Metro Police Department, they've been, had issues. Like somebody, I, I follow on Twitter, somebody um, yesterday was pulled over and they drew a gun on him. And it was, uh, they said he had a warrant in, from Florida and they've never lived in Florida. And I think his wife was somebody, some lawyer or some criminal justice person. And like, he told them who the wife, his wife was, he asked to speak to a supervisor. A supervisor came like 45 minutes later and was like, oh, you don't even look like the guy we're looking for. But mm -hmm. like, if that husband didn't know his rights, if he had gotten out of the car, he probably would have been dead. And that was just yesterday, like yesterday morning. So that's kind of what we're dealing with out here in the Midwest. And being in Indiana, there's not a lot of black people, so it's, it's always funny to get to get the stares when I'm out, uh, and it's 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 weird, bro. Like it's everywhere. Like the Midwest is the knockoff South. It's it's like diet racism. Like it's still out here, but it's not like. And there's there's still sundown towns around here. Like when I used to drive to IU Bloomington to take my sister back to college, my dad's like, "Don't stop. Like no, make sure you gassed up, you get there, and you come back." Like that's because you know the clan was started like one of the grand wizards is from Indiana. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's it's got all of that. <laughs> you can't really it's escape a, it in America. It's a diet racism. That's <laughs> I think it is what it is, man. Uh, racism, racism. What we've gotten sidetracked there for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, <laughs> everybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's it's good stuff though. Just the same, and and yeah. I, you know. We, we probably need to have you back on the show and have another discussion about uh, yeah. some of the topics that are going on there. 
Yeah, man. So, uh, so yeah, uh, hopefully that was, hopefully that was somewhat helpful, beneficial to some folks out there. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like talking about race and racist issues and, uh, and we don't, we don't really dive into it a whole lot because I think the hard thing is bringing up issues when you don't have an immediate actionable solution. Uh, I don't like talking about things that I can't do anything about, even though I do feel like things do need to be talked about. So it's always that fine line with myself. Um, so anyway, man, we do want to thank our, our, our Patreon supporters of the show, Sam Blackwell, uh, Jason Motley, Aaron Simpkins, True Strength Apparel, uh, all of you guys rock, and uh, we appreciate you supporting the show. Kenny, we appreciate you being on, man, and giving your Thanks. your two cents. Uh, you know. Great enlightening us about uh it's it, so was it national poetry month yeah yeah national okay. poetry it's it's a whole it's a whole thing out here speaking of which i have a book of poetry that i put out uh last year uh it's called equilibrium it's a chat book which is not like a traditional collection it's just uh, a small you know just so you can fit in, uh, put it in your back pocket and everything so it's, it's dope man i've gotten support from People mostly in the, the mid Midwest, the East uh, East Coastish area. So you know, that is on my website, uh, you know, pressurepoint.com and all that fun stuff. Awesome, man. Yeah. Same as plug. There's there's absolutely no shame in my game. No, no. Go <laughs> ahead, man. Go ahead. Uh, so we'll, we'll, I'll try to I'll try to remember to put that. Uh, the, his website on the show, so you can check that out and order that book. So they can order that directly from your site. Uh, also, um, don't actually, forget. It's, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, no, it's not available directly from the site, but uh, if you type in Kenneth L. Woods and Equilibrium, it's on Amazon. A lot of okay. the uh, major book retailers, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Nobles, Target, Books A Million. Okay. Yeah, it's self-published, but uh, the self-publisher I use, they've got those connections. So, yeah, you can order it there. Or if you go to my website and click on the chat book tab, it'll redirect you to some of those sites. Cool deal, man. Cool deal. Sean, I, I I was just gonna say, and um, I will go ahead and put a link to his uh, YouTube channel as well, uh, yeah. so that way you, you can check out some of the spoken word. Yeah, man, awesome, awesome. So everybody, thank y'all for checking out the show, for watching this video. Uh, give us your thoughts, your comments. Uh, you know, I know this this might be a little interesting in the comments section if y'all decide to comment. But look, man, we always want to we you know, we want we want good dialogue. We want perspectives to be shared. I don't think anybody's perspective. I've shared this before. I don't think there's anything such any wrong thing as a bad pers- or a wrong perspective. I think perspective is is based on the lens that we view life through. And so, you know, I respect everybody's perspective, even though I may not agree with it from my perspective. But, you know, it's, it is what it is. So uh, anyway, we'll be back next time. Always remember, Jesus loves you way more than we ever could. Bats. <laughs> <laughs>
You'll never know the game!